Welcome back, everybody, for episode 64 of the Sports Gospel Podcast. Happy to have you with us wherever you're listening from Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, SportsGospel.com. And this is an episode that we've not actually, I don't think, ever done before. It is the NBA Draft Special. We're going to do mock draft all 30 of the first round picks. Happy to have Andrew with me. And I'm going to need Andrew on this one. He is our basketball expert. And I like doing mock drafts and watch NBA college basketball, but I do not know this near as well as I know the NBA draft prospects. So I kind of look at this more from what NBA teams currently have going on, kind of projecting the best fits for them. Kind of relying on Andrew here to give us some insight on the prospects. He's going to know these players a lot better than I do. So thank you to Andrew for coming in and helping me out with this one and uh, saving me when I butcher plenty of these player names because I'm sure that there's all kinds of pronunciations I'm going to get wrong throughout the show. Without any further ado, we are going to jump right into this. And we decided to split this, evens and odds. And Andrew's got the odds, so he will be first overall with the Magic, and then I will be on the clock with the Thunder, and we will alternate from there. So you are welcome to jump into this any way you want to. You are on the clock with the first overall pick of the Orlando Magic. Are you going to count me down? Uh, is there a timer going for this, or uh, are we uh, we just we just going? I can see if I can find a loud sound effect. Oh, yeah. I thought maybe this would be like the Oscars. You start playing the music, and... That tells me that it's time to make my pick and hurry up. I can, um, I can run up on stage and smack you in the face if you want. Yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready for that. You're okay. gonna have to. You're gonna have to get on a flight, but that that'll be all right. <laughs> um, no, I think this first pick here is is really down to two guys. From what I've heard, it's it's Jabari or Chet, and predominantly the rumor is Jabari Smith. And so that's who I'm going to take for the Orlando Magic here. The number one overall pick is Jabari Smith. 6'10", um, can guard multiple positions on defense and also brings some scoring versatility that the Orlando Magic desperately need. They've got a couple of guys with Jalen Suggs, Franz Wagner, um, Wendell Carter, Mo Bamba's shown some flashes, Cole Anthony, um, has shown some flashes as well. So add Jabari Smith to that mix. And I think you've got a really solid lineup kind of going there in Orlando. And the hope is that he can develop playmaking off the dribble. That's not necessarily his strong suit at this current point in time, but the hope is that he can develop it. I mean, when you look at a guy that's 6'10", that can hit um, jump shots, mid-range, long distance, you start making the Kevin Durant comparisons. And I don't think he's that or is going to be that. I think that's like the ultimate best outcome. What I really think he is, is maybe like a more efficient Harrison Barnes. And I think that's kind of the best outcome for Jabari Smith here, a taller, more efficient Harrison Barnes. Um, And that'd be a really good outcome for the Orlando Magic with the number one pick. I think they pass on Chet because of the concerns about his body type. Although I do think Chet can develop and be a good player at the NBA level. I think the Orlando Magic take Jabari Smith here, and it's a little bit better fit than picking Chet Holmgren. And I would agree with everything you say there. My one question or concern is the Magic is how many big guys can you have on this team if they do, in fact, get Mo Bamba back, you've got Mo Bamba, Jonathan Isaac, uh, Franz Wagner, and you would add Jabari to that. Do they need more wing players? I like I like Jalen Suggs more than you do. Terrence Ross is a good veteran kind of wing for them, but I'm 
is it, is it just a matter of what's the talent in this class? Because you mentioned the top two, and I would even throw uh, Paolo Bancaro in there. It seems like the top of this class is all bigs. Is it just a matter of taking the best on the board? Yeah, I think it is a matter of taking the best on the board. And I think the Orlando Magic, from what I've heard, believe that Jabari Smith is that guy. Um, and they're really just kind of making their decision between Jabari and Chet Holmgren. Um, the other guy you didn't mention for Orlando is Wendell Carter. He is their actual starting center. I do think there's possibility that a team swoops in and offers too much money into Mombamba where he's not back. And Isaac, who knows? So you ask how many big men can there be on this team? And I don't really think there's going to be that many that factor into the, the rotation next season. And I think you just kind of take the best big guy available here of the the top three, the legitimate top three that you mentioned there, Jabari, Paolo, Chet. And I think Jabari's that guy in this year's draft. I think I think he'll be a quality forward in the NBA going forward. That puts me on the clock here at number two with Oklahoma City Thunder and get used to hearing the Thunder a lot hearing about the next five years of the draft. They currently have four picks in this draft. I believe is it the second overall pick, number 12 and number 30. They could easily flip any or all of these. I I don't know what to make of the Thunder. I think they want to go young and get as many young guys as they can to go in with Shai Gilgis Alexander and Josh Giddy, a nice little starting core they have. Wouldn't be shocked to see them trade this, but with them there, I'm going to go with the guy that I like the most in this class. I think there's four guys at the top of the board. You mentioned Jabari Smith and Chet Holmgren. I'd say Jaden Ivey and Paolo Bancaro are also in that. It seems no matter how it shakes out, those are going to be the first four. And I'm going to go with Paolo Bancaro. I think he's the most well-rounded right now. I think he's got the size, he's got the offensive skill, and he's got the defensive skill. I think you can look at Jabari Smith and Chet. All three of these guys are going to be power forwards or centers in the NBA. But I think Bancaro has the best all-around game, looks the most NBA-ready, and can score better than the other two. So he's going to be part of a long road with the Thunder. It's going to take them a long time to get where they want to be, but I think he's a great piece to that puzzle for them. It'll be a foundational building block. Yeah, I, I agree that Paolo's the most offensive ready. He's the most ready on offense to step in and get buckets. His defense is a bit of question mark. I don't think that OKC is going to take Paolo here at number two. Um, and I think they would go Chet if this is actually happening right now. They're taking Chet Holmgren. Um, there, there has been some smoke about Jaden Ivey at number two. But I think maybe, like you said, OKC trades this pick down and they get Ivy or they trade up from 12. I think they're trying to create a, a scenario where they get Jaden Ivy and Shaden Sharp, which I'm not sure if that's a possibility, but maybe they could do that. Um, not sure why they would do that, but it right. seems like something they might want to do. Um, so Houston on the clock here at number three for me. And I think it's it's not really top four because I think the Kings are a bit of a wild card. They could take Ivy, but they've got Mitchell and De'Aaron Fox. The Rockets, though, I think they can't pass on Chet Holmgren. They're, they're taking what's left over. Every mock that I've seen has them taking Paolo because Paolo's the one sitting here at number three. And I think that's probably actually the best fit for the Rockets team. But if it plays out in the scenario that we that we've created here, they have to take Chet Holmgren at number three. 
I know there's some concerns about his body type, but I think defensively, his skills are there as a shot blocker. Offensively, he's a decent passer. He can make shot open shots. He can create shots as well for, for himself and for others. And I think it'd be a nice pairing with Jalen Green. So I think what you're hoping Shelt Holmgren turns into is maybe a lesser version of Giannis. Um I think that's really what your hope is for Chet Holmgren in the future. I'm not saying he's going to be honest, but that's what your hope is. Um, he's a unique prospect and he can develop in the Houston Rockets um, franchise. And I'm not sure how many of these guys currently on the roster are long-term with the Rockets, but it seems like they're going to be super young. What is it? Jalen green. He was born in 2002. If anybody else wants to feel super old, he's only 20 years old. You add, you know, if it were to be Chad or whomever to this mix, be such a young team. Maybe Deshaun Nix, only 20 years old, maybe another long-term guy with them. Kenyon Martin Jr., not sure how many of these guys are really going to be there. But this team is not about Eric Gordon and John Wall and Dennis Schroeder for the long term. It's it's looks like it's going to be Jalen Green's team. So how many young bodies can you put around him? And maybe a few years of struggle for the Rockets, but they can build up that core. Yeah, I agree. It's the long-term guys that they've got in Houston are Jalen green and then whoever they take with this pick right here. And that's who you're really building your franchise around. So they've, they've got to get this one right. And unfortunately they're in a spot where they got to kind of take the third option of the best three players, but that may happen to be Paolo, who I think could be the most immediately impactful. I think, I'm kind of wondering if if this is like a Tatum draft situation where we had Fultz go number one and Tatum went at number three and he ended up being probably the best player in that draft, one of the best players in that draft. And I'm wondering if the Rockets could look into Paolo here and that's probably actually works out the best for them. When we divvied up these picks and you got odds and I got evens, this was the part I was most ruining was I got the Kings. What do you do with the Kings? What do the Kings do with the Kings? They have about 20 years of proving that they're not totally sure what they're doing. And it's, it's so confusing because they always look like they have talent. They always have these guys. You look at the top. Okay. You've got De'Aaron Fox and DeMontis Sabonis. That looks like a good young core to build around. You've also got Harrison Barnes has been around a long time as a contributor and they still have never really maximized him. They had Buddy Heald and got rid of him. So I'm just, I know who I want to go with here, but you may have to explain to me how it works. Cause I'm going to make the pick and then you have to tell me why it does or doesn't make sense. Cause you've already got Davion Mitchell and De'Aaron Fox potentially as your starting guards, but I still want Jaden Ivy. I have fallen in love with Jaden Ivy ever since March madness. Didn't know much about him before the big dance, but he looked like the best scorer in college basketball. I'm not going to say this year's version of John Morant. I don't know that he's that athletic dunker slashing in the middle, but you want a guy who's going to pull up and shoot. Give me Jaden Ivey to just score buckets from outside all day. So for the Kings, I think it's just taking the best player available. I could see him leading this class in scoring next year. And again, maybe a weird fit unless you want to go with a three-guard lineup. I think they need more bigs in Sacramento. But with those top three gone, I think you have to take Jaden Ivey here for the offensive potential. Yeah, it really comes down to what did the Kings think of Davion Mitchell long-term? He didn't flash a lot last season, but they, I think they believe in him long-term. And that's why I think this, this is where the draft could get kind of crazy because 
the Kings might potentially be looking to do a trade down and who would be a likely partner for that? The Oklahoma city thunder who are mm-hmm. rumored to be pretty high on Jaden Ivy. And so I, I do think Ivy is the pick here, but I don't think it ends up him being in Sacramento. You also mentioned um, the guys that they traded away, Buddy Heald, but they also traded away Halliburton as well. And so it seems like they're trying to clear that guard court out for De'Aaron Fox, Davion Mitchell, future guard court. But I, I do think you're right. You know, if they do stay put, Ivy has to be the pick. Or they could really surprise us and take Shaden Sharp. I wouldn't be a big fan of them taking Shaden Sharp. Uh, I'm not sure how you really evaluate Sharp based off of his 2021 AAU film because he hasn't played in in a couple of years now. Um, so I think he's a bit more of a risk. But I like the talent of Jaden Ivey, so I, I do think it's probably the right pick, but there's just so many different directions that – the Kings could go another guy that could end up on the Kings. And I hope he doesn't because it's kind of where careers go to die. Keegan Murray, they could stay in Pat and take Keegan Murray because they don't want to clog up the, the backcourt with Ivy or sharp. They could take Keegan Murray and fit him next to Sabonis in the front court and try to make things work that way. So there's a lot of uh, directions that you can go. And the guy that Ivy reminds me of isn't so much, John Morant, but it's Victor Oladipo. I think he's somewhere between Victor Oladipo and Donovan Mitchell is where you'll find Jaden Ivey. Um, so I don't think he's John Morant, but I think he's somewhere in between those two guys. I'd rather be Donovan Mitchell. Um, yeah, pro- probably. Although we've kind of seen the flaws of Donovan Mitchell's game. I think Ivy's maybe a bit of a better defender. I'm not sure that he's the same offensive threat that Donovan Mitchell is, but he's definitely a better defender. I would think Um, number five here Pistons are on the clock. And I think this is where my guy Keegan Murray goes. Yeah. My guy Keegan Murray is going right here in Detroit. I think he is a nice fit next to Cade Cunningham and next to some of the other pieces they have, Isaiah Stewart, Sadiq Bay, Jeremy Grant is a restricted free agent. They might be moving on from Jeremy Grant, but um, Keegan Murray, I think is, he doesn't fall below number five here. So I'm not sure that the Pistons actually may be picking. I do think the Pistons could eventually trade this pick. I've, I've mentioned, I think in a previous podcast where I think, there's a scenario that they could trade number five as part of a deal for DeAndre Aiden. And I think that would make a lot of sense for Detroit as well. But if they do stay put and take their pick, I think they're taking Keegan Murray, number five, six, eight, two fifteen. He can guard um, one through four. You could even try and play him as a small ball center. And we've seen how effective that is. Uh, that's how a lot of teams play. A lot of crunch time lineups involve a guy who can be a small, small ball center. And Keegan Murray can be that for you because of his ability to space the floor. And he's just so low maintenance offensively. You don't have to run plays for him really at all. And he guards extremely well. A safe pick, a very high floor. He kind of reminds me of Pascal Siakam. And I think that's who he's going to turn into is like a Pascal Siakam type player. And I think Detroit would take that all day next to Cade Cunningham, who's a legit star. Got your guy, Luca Garza as the third string center there. 
Um, he's more of the second string center. Okay. Um, unless something changes in the offseason for Detroit, he's more of the second string center. And I think that'd be really fun for uh, Keegan Murray and Luca Garza to be reunited in Detroit. Going on down to their division rivals, I have got the Indiana Pacers at number six. And again, the Pacers, I feel like, are just a best available. I don't really know. Kind of feels like they need a little bit of everything. Man, I was kind of hoping Keegan Murray would be here because I I think they could use a lot of things, but I want them to get a bigger body. I want a power forward or a center. Who do we have left here? (laughs) There's a guy sitting out there, but I feel like he may be a reach, and you're going to lecture me for it. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna I'm gonna go for a pick. I'm gonna make a I'm gonna make a reach here. Let's let's start digging a little bit deeper. I'm gonna go get a big body because I want a big guy in the middle for the Pacers. I want Jalen Duran, the big center out of Memphis. Young guy, I think very, very raw, a lot of game to develop. But Indiana's not going anywhere anytime soon, so he's gonna have plenty of time to learn there. It's gonna be Jalen Duran, the center out of Memphis. I don't mind it. Um, I do think the Pacers themselves would maybe take a chance on Sharp here, on Shaden Sharp here. Um, just because you mentioned they need a little bit of everything. I think Sharp could fit well next to Halliburton there in the backcourt. I'm not sure about a center who doesn't create shots, um, who's really good defensively and offensively, very explosive athlete. I'm not saying that Jalen Duran's going to be a bad NBA player. I'm just not sure about the fit in this Pacers. Um, it's kind of it kind of brings back the Sabonis Turner thing when they had Sabonis and Turner at the same time. They moved on from Sabonis and got Halliburton. I think they need another playmaking guard on this team. So I don't mind it. I, I see your need for a big body, um, but playmaking guard. So I just I, is, yep, I like Buddy Hield a lot more than you do. So. Yeah, you, you really do. Um, you really must like Buddy Hield a lot more than me. I think Buddy is what he is. He's a he's a shooter who's not a great defender. Uh, I think Shaden Sharp does have star potential, but, man, he's just such a wild card. Number seven here, um, Blazers on the clock. I do think they possibly trade this to get maybe some sort of a quality starter that can run with Damian Lillard and do something to – kind of show Damian Lillard that they mean business, that they're trying to improve the roster and not add a rookie to the mix. But if they don't, and we're assuming no trades here, I think this is as far as Shaden Sharp goes. And Shaden Sharp goes here at number seven. So I'll take the the chance on him. I think there is kind of star potential with him, although we didn't really see him play at the college level, which I wish we would have had at least some college film to look at with Sharp. But I think the Blazers can afford to kind of take a chance on a guy, especially if somehow they have to move on from Damian Lillard. Maybe this is your next star. So Shaden Sharp at number seven. The Blazers need everything. So anything that can help Damian Lillard out will be appreciated. All right. I am back at number eight. The Pelicans got this pick, I believe through the Lakers. So New Orleans here, and dare I say New Orleans has their starting five in place for next year. As weird as that feels to say, C.J. McCollum, Brandon, they list Brandon Ingram as a starting shooting guard, which is strange. C.J., Brandon Ingram, Zion, Jonas Valanciunas, and Herb Jones just may be their starting five next year, which feels weird to say. 
So are they almost building depth here? Maybe somebody pushes Jones for that small forward starting spot. And I would say that's probably their weakest spot. So I'm going to look I'm between two guys here. One of them I think you'll tolerate. One of them I think you're not a fan of. But I, I'm going to go with Johnny Davis. You got Keegan Murray. I'll take Johnny Davis, the other big scoring threat from the Big Ten this year. 6'6", just under 200 pounds. I think he can do a little bit of everything for them and probably will push for that starting spot this year. I think New Orleans kind of has their core in place, and we're assuming that Zion is healthy and interested in playing in New Orleans. So I think they get some wing help there, some scoring on the uh, outside at small forward with Johnny Davis. Yeah, I think that's that's an interesting pick. I think that's a little high for me on Johnny Davis, but I could see the the Pelicans going for it here. So I won't I won't I promise I won't try to be critical of all of your, all of your picks here. I'll give you I'll cut you some slack. I'll just I'll just wait till it's all said and done and then I have then I can say told you so. But like the Pelicans lose nobody. They like their entire roster is intact. It's crazy. Yeah, they have a they have a solid core. I think landing and hitting on this pick here, though, is the difference from being just like a good team to a great team. Because if you if you really nail this pick, Zion comes back and shows what he's shown, and we know what CJ McCollum can bring. We know what Ingram can bring as well. I think you've got the makings of a team that could really make some noise. So. Got to nail this pick, and I'm just not sure if Johnny Na- Johnny Davis is that guy. Um, the Spurs at number nine. Um, interesting spot here, but I think a guy, I'm going to go with a guy that feels just – he just feels very Spurs um, to me. Benedict Matherin from Arizona. Um, he's a really good shooter, can make – you know, shots off the dribble um, does need a little bit of work as a passer and, a, and a little bit of work on defense. He puts in the effort on defense, but he needs to kind of clean up some of his technique and what better organization than the Spurs to do that. in? I think he kind of just fits the Spurs mold. So put him next to DeJounte Murray. And I think you've got a really solid backcourt and you'll probably have a really solid defensive backcourt. And that's something that the Spurs can build around for the future. Ben Matherin was a guy I wanted to take. I just couldn't find a good fit on my last two teams. I thought my other, I didn't think guard was a big need for my other two picks, but big Ben Matherin fan. And yeah, the Spurs weird year for the Spurs. They have three first round picks. So it kind of makes me wonder if they're going to package that for something. Cause you don't think about the Spurs being a big drafting team, kind of like the LA Rams in the NFL now where they want veterans and they go with proven guys but this team is just depleted of talent. They're, a lot of their big money's coming off the books. It's basically Deontay Murray and what can you build around him. So I think Ben, ben Mathurin would be a day one starter for this team and be great in the NBA. Yeah, I think you're right. And yeah, they do have three firsts and certainly could look to make some sort of a trade up, I think. Number 10 here for me, the Washington Wizards. Bradley Beal has a player option this year. Just, just just, leave. Somebody please sign him. Get him out of here. It's too good to be stuck with Washington, who's not going anywhere anytime soon. Another team that kind of needs a little bit of everything. I think if he leaves, they mostly need another point guard. Maybe a big in the middle. Yeah, you have Porzingis there, but I think somebody to run with him in the middle. <laughs> what do we have? 
already got Jalen Duran off the board. I'm going to go with a guy that I know almost nothing about. So hopefully you do. But Jeremy Sochan, the Baylor, they list him as a power forward. 6'9", 230. It's not super huge, but a freshman. And the little bit I've been reading here over the weekend to get ready for this, a guy who's flying up boards and people are really considering as a top 10 pick. So I'm going to take the bait and get the fella out of Baylor. Jeremy Sohan. Yeah. Um, How's that for butchering a name? Yeah. Um, He's a really good uh, two-way player. I think defense is kind of his calling card right now. Offensively, he's going to be pretty, pretty poor. I think early on in his career, there's definitely signs he could develop offensively, mostly his jump shot. Um, He's just got a very inconsistent jump shot, but if he is able to develop that, his potential is rather limitless. Um, the, the draft comps for him are Ben Simmons, Draymond Green, Aaron Gordon. I think Draymond Green is probably the best outcome there for Jeremy Sohan, but as you've seen, that, that can be a guy who can help you um, become a title team. So, Yeah, of those, I don't, of those yeah, three, I want to be uh, Draymond Green, so I'll take that one. Yeah, absolutely. I think, yeah, you're right. Of those three, you want to be Draymond Green, and if he turns into – some version of Draymond Green with a jump shot. That's really intriguing. That's really good. Um, so, yeah, great pick there. Um, that puts me back on the clock here. Lucky you with the New York Knicks. The New York Knicks. And this is where I was hoping Jalen Duran would be there um, because they're, Mitchell Robinson's a free agent. I think they need to move on from – Julius Randle as well. Uh, So without Mitchell Robinson being there, I don't think I'm going to go based on need. I'm going to take the guy who I've got highest remaining on my big board, and I'm going to take Dyson Daniels. Um, He went the G League route and played on the Ignite team, um, so he could get a year of the G League play. And he's a really good playmaker. not very good as a as a jump shooter. He's kind of like some mix of Derek White, Kyle Anderson, solid role player type. Um, but I think that's kind of maybe what the Knicks need is just another solid role player that they can plug and play. He's going to play some defense, and then it's also able to facilitate on offense. They've already got the scoring with R.J. Barrett and he needs to be their primary option going forward, but he doesn't really offer a a lot in the way of playmaking. I think Dyson Daniels could be pretty similar to what Josh Giddy became for the Thunder, and I think that's a really good outcome for for the Knicks. So I'll take Dyson Daniels at number 11. Number 12, back to me for the Thunder, their second pick of the first round. This pick they got from the Clippers. And we gave them Jabari Smith to kind of shore up things in the middle. And the Thunder, you've got Shai Gilgis-Alexander and Josh Giddy as your two guards. Maybe Lou Dort is the answer at small forward. So I think you could do some size here or build up some depth on the wings. And in the current NBA, you can never have too many wings. So I'm going to go with a guy that, based on the rankings I'm looking at, he's a top 10 talent. And I don't know much about him, but I'm going to trust what the smarter people than me on the internet say. And I'm going to A.J. Griffin. So 6'6", 200 pounds, a pretty good size for a small forward. He's a freshman out of Duke, and 
another one of those high ceiling guys. And if you're going to go to the Thunder, again, you're not going anywhere anytime soon. So take the time to grow and develop and maybe be a role player before you mature into a star. But everything I'm reading about him, lights out shooter with you know that mature athletic body could maybe develop into some, maybe not an elite defender, but the potential there for A.J. Griffin has people salivating. So he's going to be my guy to go develop along with the Thunder. Yeah, um, that's a that's a good pick. I'm a big fan of AJ Griffin. Um, he he does have some injury history that's maybe a little bit concerning. Um, so you hope none of that pops up going forward. But I like the pick. I think he's his real asset right now is as a scorer. The defense is going to have to be brought along. So I'm on the clock at number thirteen with the Hornets. Back-to-back Hornets picks for you. Yeah, yeah, wonderful Hornets <laughs> picks here coming at 13 and 15. I'm not exactly sure what direction I want to go here, but I think I will take a big man, and we're going to get back-to-back Duke players off the board here. And I'm going to take Mark Williams, the center. Mm. I think he's going to be a good rim protector he could be a lot like what Robert Williams is for the Boston Celtics, only bringing that to Charlotte. He's definitely an explosive athlete, great lob partner for uh, LaMelo Ball, who's going to be throwing up a lot of lobs, as he always does, and massive upgrade from Mason Plumley. So give me Mark Williams, and he'll uh, be able to uh, embrace his role. Um, as a defender and interior big man, so and he is massive at seven two. Yeah, yeah, very massive, and I think he he could be like I said, Robert Williams, or some of the comparison that's been thrown out there is Hassan Whiteside, maybe a more consistent version of Hassan Whiteside, and I think that's would be really good for the Hornets. He'd also bring sort of that defensive anchor that. Rudy Gobert brings to Utah, and that's something that the Hornets need to take it to the next level. They need a defensive anchor there in the middle, and he can be that. On to number 14, I have the Cavaliers, the surprisingly good Cavaliers last year, seemingly nailed the Evan Mobley Mobley pick. He had a great rookie year. You've got he and Jared Allen in the middle. How long is Kevin Love still around? Is Karis LeVert a long-term guy? Is Darius Garland the guard we like and Colin Sexton is the one that hurt, correct? Or do I have that the other way around? I never. Yeah, Darius Garland is the all-star guard that we like, and Colin Sexton is a restricted free agent. The Pistons are actually rumored to be in on uh, Colin Sexton, and that's why I didn't draft them a guard at number five. So that's kind of the way I'm leaning on this is, does, is Cleveland going to need somebody to fill in that guard spot? Kind of looking at some of the options here. There's a couple different guys I like. I'm going to go with a high upside guy that everybody's raving about. I've heard him as high as a top five pick, depending on who you ask. The freshman out of Kentucky, Ty Ty Washington Jr. Just a from what we what we I hear, just an explosive young athlete, just with a lot of game to develop and refine over time. Give me Mr. Washington. Interesting pick here. Um yeah. Puts me back on the on the clock with Charlotte. And I'm gonna t- 
take them a high upside wing player, um, a guy that can they can pair with a Lamella Ball as well. Um, foreign player, guy out of New Zealand. And I'm going to take Usman Zhang. I uh, hope I didn't just butcher that name, but he's a really high upside play, and I don't know if he'll be ready right away, but I'm not sure that Charlotte's going much of anywhere. Um, maybe a playoff team next year. You love LaMelo Ball. Yeah, I do love LaMelo Ball. Um I think Zhang could be a good fit, and I, th- I like his high upside potential, but you really are drafting him based on potential and not what he's shown because what he's shown hasn't been great, but you see the kind of the flashes of what he could be at the next level and kind of reminds you of Brandon Ingram, and that'd be a really kind of good running mate to have with Lamella Ball. Could he be a number two or a number three guy? If he reaches his potential on a championship team, yes. That's why I take Usman Jang. Which I think this, as much as I don't like Lamelo as much as you do, this you look at the Hornets roster, and if you add these two guys to it and they hit, there's looks like there's a lot of talent in Charlotte if Gordon Hayward gets right. But you add him and you have Terry Rogier and Ball and these two guys, it looks it feels like there should be some hype around Charlotte going forward. The East East is winnable for them. Or not winnable, but playoff caliber team in the East with all that talent. Yeah. Well, I would actually put miles bridges ahead of Hayward and uh, Rogier in the pecking order. And I think if you draft this Usman Zhang and Mark Williams, like, like I'm prescribing that they will, you move on from Hayward and Rogier to kind of clear the books um, financially. And then also kind of clear out the playing time for the young guys and let the young guys develop. So, and I'm not sure who you trade them for. Um, maybe we can get to that in a minute, but I definitely think there's a path for the Hornets to uh, to make a trade and improve their roster that way by getting rid of uh, Hayward and, and Rozier. Possibly even trading these picks together to move up to to a team that's in the upper half of the lottery to maybe get one guy instead of getting two guys at 13 and 15, maybe get one guy to put next to a a Lamelo ball and improve their roster that way. So we are halfway through this year. Quick. I want to go back and run down our picks again, before we move on to the Hawks at number 16, the magic taking Jabari Smith, the thunder taking Paolo Bancaro, the power forward, the Rockets taking Chet, the jet Holmgren. Number four, the Kings, Jaden Ivey. Number five, the Pistons, Keegan Murray. Number six, the Pacers, Jalen Duran. Number seven, the Blazers, Shaden Sharp. Number eight, the Pelicans, Johnny Davis. Number nine, the Spurs, Ben Matherin. Number 10, Jeremy Sohan. Number 11, the Knicks, Dyson Daniels, the guard. Number 12, the Thunder again, getting A.J. Griffin, the small forward. Number 13, the Hornets with Mark Williams, the big seven-foot-two center. Number 14, the Cavaliers, Ty Ty Washington Jr., the guard. And number 15, Usman Jang, the small forward. And I am back on the clock at number 16 with the Hawks. Maybe you know better than I do what to make of this Hawks team. I thought they were going to be so good this year, and they really could bring back their entire core. They have Trey Young, John Collins, Danilo Gallinari, Clint Capella, Bogdanovich, Herter, Hunter, all under contract. Really, the guys they lose are their their depth, their bench guys. But there's also talk that they want to move on from John Collins, who I'm a big John Collins fan as an NBA talent. So if they bring back this core, I feel like they're building depth. If they get rid of John Collins, I think they need a new body in the middle. So I'm not quite sure what to make of what to do with the Hawks. 
But looking at who we have available, I want to go with a little bit of size. So I'm going to go with EJ Liddell. But a guy who felt like he was around college for a long time, mature, smart, developed his game, and I think could be that athletic, bigger-than-average wing who can step outside and fill it up for the Hawks. If, in fact, John Collins is gone. If not, he's a role-player guy who can eventually fill in for Collins or Gallinari when one of those guys leaves town. Hybrid, I guess, power forward, small forward. Yeah, no, I have no problems with EJ Liddell. Um, I actually really like EJ Liddell. Um, and I think Atlanta is an interesting spot because one of his pre-draft, pre-draft comps is Paul Millsap, who hmm. obviously excelled in Atlanta system. Granted, it was the Mike Budenholzer system at that time, and the roster looked a lot different, but they're kind of in a similar spot with where they have a lot of talent, but you don't know if it's enough to like make them a consistent playoff team or a contending team. I kind of, I kind of like the fit. I kind of agree. And it's a cheap way of replacing John Collins, who's certainly going to demand a lot of money this off season. So if you don't want to pay John Collins, EJ Liddell is a good fit to plug and play there. I'm on the clock with Houston and man, they just need everything. I think they need a guy that they can run next to, um, Jalen Green on the wings. We already got them a big man with Chet Holmgren. So we're going to go back-to-back Ohio State guys here. And I'm going to take the one-and-done Malachi Branham. I really like what he brings as a sort of a 3-and-D wing and can also create his own shot. He does sort of remind me of like a Karis Levert type, Um, maybe without the injury history. Um a shorter version of like Chris Middleton, Chris Middleton, six, eight, Branham, six, four. So you're not getting Chris Middleton, but maybe you can bring like some Bradley Beal like qualities to this Rockets backcourt. And I think he could fit really well next to Jalen green. So I think you can play them together. So give me Branham at 17. Kind of makes you wonder why Ohio state wasn't better, but that these were their two guys. These were okay. their two primary options. The uh, the offense outside of these two guys was very minimal, and that's why Ohio State wasn't better. I am up at number eighteen with doubles, and I need to know if Zach Levine is coming back before I make this pick. This was, uh, quick side note: soapbox here. The NBA doesn't reverse NFL. You have your free agency, and then you do the draft. Here, I'm kind of picking, not knowing what's going to happen with free agents. Well, I, anyway. I can, I can clear it up. Um, I have heard that Zach Levine is going to re-sign with the Chicago Bulls. So, hmm. And that's the Bulls are saying that to other teams. Hey, he's re-signing. Like, don't bother. He's re-signing. So um, I think you should make this pick with the intention that Levine is re-signing. Because they're – a pretty loaded team, surprising to think about with the Bulls, and you've got the coaching, but kind of bringing back almost everybody here. To, I, I'm tempted to take a guard, but I think they do need to go big. You need some more depth there inside. And again, going entirely based on rankings from people smarter than me, somebody I know almost nothing about, but is a power forward, 6'10", 231, great size for this guy out of Milwaukee, Patrick Baldwin Jr., number 20th ranked prospect based on what I'm looking at. Interesting. I don't have Baldwin Jr. that high on my board. Um, so that's that's an interesting pick there, uh, number 18. 
So number 19, and this is where I was hoping Ty Ty Washington would be available because Minnesota really does need a point guard that they can, they're shopping D'Angelo Russell. And for good reason, D'Angelo Russell is not the point guard of the future in Minnesota. I don't know if you watched him in the playoffs, but he was terrible. Um, they need someone to who can be okay with just getting the ball to Anthony Edwards and letting him make all the plays. Um, I don't know if there's a really good point guard left on the board, so I'm not going to necessarily reach for need. I think I'm going to kind of take who I've got as the best available here, and that's going to be that is going to be. Ochai Abaji yeah. from Kansas. Um, he's going to be a pretty good three and D wing. I think he, his quality, his major quality right away is going to be his defense. He's definitely like a streaky shooter. I'm not sure he'll ever get consistent from three. And I kind of look at him as like a, a Jay Crowder type wing. That's a good he's comparison. Kind of- Yeah, you really need a guy like that, though, to win a championship. You need someone who's going to do the dirty work. And they've got Patrick Beverly already, and you add Abaji as a plus defender. Anthony Edwards is a decent defender. Now you're looking at a pretty good wing defense. Um, You need a point guard still, um, but maybe you can fix that another way by virtue of trading D'Angelo Russell, maybe the free agent market somehow you can acquire a point guard that way, or at least a suitable enough point guard to make your team back in the playoffs. So I think you improve defensively when you get a Baji. Which I think you hit on something there. Is point guard the the most shallow position in this class? I think there's great size. There's some decent wings. We look at point guards. What do you have is, I mean, is Shaden Sharp, can he be your one or two guard? And then you have Ty Ty Washington Are those kind of, among the top 20, are those the only real point guards you have? I, I mean, yeah. Um, unless you want to look at like a guy like Jay Ivey as a point guard or a guy like Dyson Daniels as a point guard. Um, I think you could play Ivy at the one, but you're right. There's not a lot of true point guards in this class. It's really a lot of big wings and, and centers and, some playmaking guards, some off guards who could probably play the one at certain points, but not true point guards. Right. And if I, I really like O'Shea Baji in spite of the fact that he went to Kansas, I think he's just, he's a big physical specimen as a guard. And if he goes to the Patrick Beverly school of jacking people up on the outside, that could be a, he could be menacing. Yeah. I mean, we saw it with the Celtics and their def- their defense is what carried them to the NBA finals. They weren't ultimately able to win it because their offense was not, not good, but they developed the defense. They have guys like Robert Williams, Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum being good on defense. Maybe Minnesota's starting to have that Patrick Beverly, Anthony Edwards, Ochai Abaji question mark. Although I think if Ty Ty Washington's here at number 19, when the actual NBA draft goes down, they're taking Ty Ty Washington at number 19. Me again at number 20, we get the second Spurs pick of the draft. And they got this pick via the Toronto Raptors. 
So you got them Ben Matherin at guard at number nine. And you talk about making a Spurs pick. What is a Spurs pick? The Spurs love to go international. And Serbian players named Nikola tend to work out pretty well in the NBA. So I'm going to go with a guy that I don't know almost nothing about, but he's highly ranked. A small forward, Nikola Jovic. Jovic, that props you if you know how to pronounce it better than I do, but he's only 19 years old. Everybody's talking about him as this, you know, your typical European style. He's got the shot, but can he get the defense and the athleticism to go with it? But if the Spurs need an instant injection of offense and a, a really young guy they can develop, give me uh, our 6'10 Serbian star. I like it, and you're right. The Spurs love going international. I don't actually know a lot about Nikola Jovic. I know that he's not Nikola Jokic. Um, I'm going to call it close enough to be the same. mm, No, not quite. They're definitely not the same player. I think he's a little bit more from what I've heard, from what I've read is he's a little bit more Danilo Gallinari than Nikola Jokic. And, but still Danilo Gallinari has played in the NBA for a while, been a decent role player. I don't think that's the worst outcome for the Spurs pick at number 20. So you're putting me back at the clock with Denver and Denver. They've got Jokic. They've got Jamal Murray coming back off the injury. I think they just need a quality, a quality role player here. And think the guy I'm going to take a chance on here. Hmm. There's a couple different directions I could go. I think I, I will give them Jalen Williams, the forward from Santa Clara. Um, it's got some good perimeter shooting. He's a decent playmaker. Um, a decent passer, and I think that could be kind of a good combo with the the synergy with Jokic. Um, decent shot. You need a guy who can shoot, and then he could kind of back Michael Porter Jr. up whenever Michael Porter Jr. comes back and inevitably gets hurt again because he's so injury prone. But I think Jalen Williams is kind of a copy of what Michael Porter Jr. is, and you can put that alongside Jokic and it works really well. So I'll take Jalen Williams, number 21. Number 22, back to me. We have the Grizzlies with their first of two picks here in the latter part of the draft. They got this one from the Utah Jazz. And I'm going to go with a guy from the G League at night who I don't know much about, but it feels like the Grizzlies, they have their core. They have their starters. They're just building depth at this point in time, which is a good spot to be in. I'm going to go with the guy who's really known for his offense from what the experts are saying. And that's Jaden Hardy. Another one of the guys from the G league at night, six, four, projects as a shooting guard and really all the talk about him. So he can just score, just flat out, give him the ball and let him score. And that's kind of what the Grizzlies need. They have their defense. They have their grit. They have jaws, the star. Let's get them some scores around him. So Jaden Hardy is the guy for me going to the Grizzlies at 22. 23, we've got Philly on the clock, and who knows what goes on down in Philly this offseason. A Harden trade, question mark? The Sixers surely don't know. Yeah, the Sixers don't really know. Um, I do think there may be – I'm not sure what they're going to do with Harden. 
that's really what this comes down to. Um, I really like Maxi. I mean, I obviously love Joel Embiid. That goes without saying. He's he's their franchise player, but I'm not sure that they can keep Harden. Tobias Harris is a decent role player. I think they maybe need a guy who can bring some toughness to them, um, a little bit of grit, and I think that guy is Tari Eason from LSU. Ah. So I think he's going to be able to bring the Sixers a little bit of grit on the wing. He's in, he's a six six, six seven forward, um, not a decent shooter. Um, sort of reminds of like a Jeremy Grant. And so I think he'd be, be able to bring a little bit of toughness and rebounding to this team to, and could play alongside Joel Embiid and Tobias Harris pretty seamlessly. I think he can play the four spot at the next level and they can slide him in to their starting rotation, I think. So Matisse Tybul is also tough. Tyrese Maxey also brings a little bit of toughness. Joel Embiid, Tobias Harris. The only one who doesn't is James Harden. Um, so if you're sensing a theme, I think we move on from James Harden if I'm Philly and, and get some more toughness with Tari Eason coming in. I was looking at Tari Eason for my next pick. Now I got to go back to the drawing board. <laughs> so I am up at number 24 with the Milwaukee Bucks. I think next year's Eastern Conference race, again, who knows what will happen in trades and free agency. And I think it's a two-horse race next year in the East between the Bucks and the Celtics. The Bucks really kind of have a lot of their pieces figured out. I think they're fine in the middle. Drew Holiday's holding down the guard for them. I think they need some backup wings. We saw what happened to this team when Chris Middleton went down. So I think you need some depth behind Chris Middleton and Wes Matthews. So I'm going to go just simply who's the highest rated small forward on the board. And another name for me to butcher, uh, is it Dallin or Dalen Terry out of Arizona, the sophomore small forward for them, guy who's touted more for his defense and, I guess, basketball IQ. Uh, maybe the athleticism and speed gonna be need to be something to work on at the NBA level, but a lot of excitement for him is a uh, – I'm reading a Mikhail Bridges comp, so if you can be Mikhail Bridges, that's a good role player to have for you. Yeah, that'd be an incredible outcome for the Milwaukee Bucks. So they, they either need a wing or they need a another guard that can create a shot. So I think this could be a spot where maybe Kennedy Chandler is in play or they could even go for a big man because Brick Lopez is 34. So maybe a guy like Christian Coloco or Walker Kessler um, from Auburn could be in play there. But 25 San Antonio back on the board – we got them Ben Matherin and remind me you took Nikola Jovic at 20 for the Spurs and they really just kind of need a little bit of everything. How about a, a playmaking scoring guard um, point guard, maybe a little bit of a backup for Deontay Murray, although you think you could put this guy on the court with them. Give me Kennedy Chandler to the Spurs number 25. He definitely reminds me a little bit of Darius Garland. And if that's his outcome, that's an absolute steal at 25. So Kennedy Chandler to the Spurs. And a guy who's a, from what I'm reading, a top 20 talent. So it could be a, a good little steal if he falls all the way to the Spurs. Absolutely. Next up, I get the Dallas Mavericks. 
what does Dallas, I think Dallas needs to get a little bit more size. Obviously they're just fine with Luca. Can they keep Jalen Brunson? I think that's something to ask for this team is they're going to have to start paying some of these guys if they want to keep that core together. Can they keep Jalen Brunson there? Keep him happy. You got Spencer Dinwiddie, Tim Hardaway, a loaded backcourt for this team. And I think you need to get better up front. Dorian Finney-Smith and Dwight Powell is kind of uh, holding things down up there. Well, and they just made the Christian Wood trade with the Rockets. So they got some offense in there in the middle. So I'm going to go, man, where do I want to go with this? Trying to look at our bigs that are still available. Kind of, we're getting into the territory of people that I uh, am not as familiar with, as though I was super familiar with all the people before. Uh, I'm going to go with the guy that you just mentioned for really no other good reason than that he's really, really big. And that's Walker Kessler. 7-1-256. Again, how do you play him next to Christian Wood would be the question. Or is he a backup to these guys and kind of spot fills in for Dwight Powell and Dorian Finney-Smith? Again, at 26, you're not necessarily drafting your starters. So Walker Kessler feels like a just a big raw guy that they can develop into something. You've got him at the defensive end, but add some offense to his game. Yeah, and he's a really good shot blocker. And I think he's not your starting five man. I think he's a big man that you play during the season. He comes in and gives you some valuable minutes to kind of go and and bang around at the five spot with other big five guys. But I also think he'd be a really great lob target for Luka Doncic and Luka Doncic is pretty skilled at um, throwing the lobs. So Jared Allen is the comp for him. And I think that'd be an incredible outcome for Dallas. If he could turn into some version of Jared Allen. Love it. Uh, Yep. That, so that's a good pick. And we're really in the range of the draft here where we're, we're really kind of, it's the first round still, but we're making some dart throws. So um, 27 Miami, I think they need, they need a guard. Um, a playmaking guard who can do some things. Kyle, Kyle Lowry is 36. Jimmy Butler is getting older, but Jimmy Butler is still going to be great. Um, I, I'm going to give them Blake Wesley from Notre Dame, um, a guy who actually one of his pre-draft comps is Tyler Hero. So maybe just get another copy of Tyler Hero and see how it works out. So Blake Wesley to uh, the Miami Heat. At 27. I'm up at 28 with your champion Golden State Warriors and a team that's in a curious position. We know who they are. Steph, Clay, Draymond, they're all under contract. Wiggins is under contract. So they kind of have all their starters. The question is what's going to happen with Kevon Looney, Otto Porter, these kind of guys, Gary Payton, the second, all becoming free agents. This team has no money, so they really need to hit on their young guys and develop these cheaper players here in the next couple of years. Really, I think you just kind of build depth with who you like the most. I'm going to go with the guy who I think if you lose Otto Porter, you need kind of that swing man on the outside. And I think there may already be a player in the NBA with this name, but I'm going to give the NBA another Wendell Moore Jr. out of Duke. He's a junior small forward for them. Just just build depth for the for the Warriors. Find a guy you like and bring him along. And those those big three aren't going to be around forever. Yeah, it that's a it's an interesting spot because yeah, they need um they need some depth and they don't really they aren't gonna be able to improve via free agency. 
there is a bit of a question if Kevon Looney will be back because I believe he's a restricted free agency. So I, I could see them taking like Coloco or another big man here at number 28. But number 29, we've got Memphis back on the clock here. And as you mentioned, they're kind of just building depth. And I'm going to take a guy who's maybe flying a little bit under the radar. He got hurt a little bit. He also just played on a, on a really poor basketball team, but I think the talent is there and the upside is there. I'm going to give them Bryce McGowan's from Nebraska at number 29. I'm looking at the website that I'm on for their board and I do not see this human being's name. Oh, he's number 27 on my board. So Bryce McGowan's um, one and done freshman from Nebraska. Uh, decent wing. Kind of reminds me of Zach Levine in some aspects. 6'5", um, scored 17 points a game, 83% from free throw, but only 27% from three. But the decent free throw shooting is kind of a sign that he can do it from three. He just hasn't been able to do it yet on a consistent basis. Levine couldn't, couldn't either when he came into the league and now he's a really good three point shooter. So I think he's just Zach Levine with less hops. So I would take that for Memphis at number 29. And at number 30, we have the third pick for the thunder. Got this via trade with the Suns. Again, the NBA drafts uh, order is on your regular season record, not who won the championship. And I'm going to go with a guy that I just like and I just want to pick. Johnny Juzang, the the UCLA legend. Uh, kind of off the board, maybe more likely a second-round pick, but I like him and think he can be a valuable role-playing scorer. And again, the Thunder need whatever they can grab. So give me Johnny Juzang to close out the first round here. Yeah, I like it. Um, are there any guys we didn't get to who uh, you thought about taking? Uh, just going off what smarter people than me had for rankings, uh, there was Kendall Brown. Where did Kendall Brown go? Uh, another freshman out of Baylor. You kind of forget that Baylor is good now, and they keep turning out NBA talent. A freshman small forward for them, uh, Jake LaRavia, a guy out of Wake Forest. I never thought I'd be having to learn about a Wake Forest basketball player that's not Chris Paul. And then Orlando Robinson, a junior center out of Fresno State. Those were the three that... The, the scouts are telling me about this uh, Christian Coloco guy that you were excited about. And then a couple of guys that I just kind of like, like Johnny Juzang, Kofi Coburn, I think is still going to find a spot in the league. Isaiah Brockington is a shooting guard. I think he'll be a streaky scorer. And then the other Mobley brother, Isaiah Mobley out of USC. I think those are some of the guys who I think are going to be second round finds and catch on to a roster. Who is, who is there for you? Um, another guy that you didn't mention. I like Coloco. Um, Kofi Coburn, maybe. Um, I'm not the biggest Kofi Coburn fan, as you very well know. I think the second-round guy that could end up being a pretty solid NBA player, and again, second-round contracts in the NBA are non-guaranteed. Pretty much that team just has rights to you for when they do want to offer you a contract. That team gets to offer you a contract first. But I like Christian Brown from Kansas. I think – he could be a really good um, three and D wing at the next level. So Kendall Brown, you also mentioned him. David Roddy um, is an interesting guy. He's kind of, he's kind of a guy I could see latching on with the San Antonio Spurs. Um, 
He just kind of does it all. A good playmaker. He's very Kyle Anderson. And then um, another guy who was first round at a certain point, but kind of played his way out of it. Um, but the potential still there is J.D. Davison from Alabama. Um, I think there's a lot of potential with him. And then a couple of other guys, if you just look down the, the board a little bit, I like Musa Debate from Michigan. Um, I also like another guy from UCLA, Peyton Watson. I thought he should have come back to college and he could have been a first round pick next year if he came back to college. So there's a couple of guys in the second round that I think are going to uh, find a home in the NBA and maybe be solid role players. Yeah, the second round, I feel like, is where you get a lot more of these veteran guys who played three or four years in college that you're familiar with. The first round gets a lot of these freshmen and the one and dones, the guys maybe you haven't had a chance to get to know. But the second round, you've got Colin Gillespie out of Villanova, Buddy Beheim out of Syracuse, Andrew Nemhard from Gonzaga. Uh, Brady Manick was the kind of star of March Madness for North Carolina. And then Jaden Shackleford out of Alabama. Surprised to see him rank solo. He's a guy I think will catch on. So you get some of these bigger name guys just because we had a chance to learn from them in college. Maybe don't have the elite, elite skills to be an NBA star, but if they really specialize in something or have a good set of, you know, just be good at a little bit of everything. I think a lot of these guys can catch on. Yeah. And the guys in the second round are, they're older and the NBA likes to draft younger guys traditionally in the first round, just because of the exciting potential those guys have. So they really, the NBA really values potential over production. So yeah, you'll you'll look at guys that go in the second round and be like, what? He was a really great player in college. Why didn't he go higher? It's because he spent four years in college, and now he's 22, he's 23, he's 24 in some cases. And that's why he's not going higher is because he's just not going to be around in the league as long because of the age factor. doesn't mean that the second-round guys are bad players, but they just don't go as high because of the fact that they're older, really. Um, rather have an 18 or a 19 year old out there. Most NBA teams would, and just have the chance to develop them and um, from a young age. And that's why I'm cheering for O'Shea Baji, an actual senior who may be a top 10 pick. Yeah, and well, that's the thing with Keegan Murray is he's a sophomore, but he's 22 years old because he did that year of prep school. So. That's And that's really one of the only things preventing him from going higher is the fact that he's already 22 years old. So, like I said, age is a huge factor for teams at the top of the draft. Anything else draft-related? We need to get your thoughts on the NBA Finals. We haven't had you on since the Finals came to an end and the Warriors hoisted another trophy. So, open floor NBA talk time. All right. Yeah. Nope. I, I think I've moved on from the draft. Uh, 30 picks is a lot. Um, we got every single one, right? Yeah. We'll, we'll check ourselves. We'll come back next week and check ourselves. Um, well, I'll hit you up after Thursday. You'll have to let me know how we did. If we hit on any of them, you're more but, than welcome to come back next week has not been planned. If you want to come back next week, we can, we can skewer ourselves. Yeah. We'll probably have to, there'll probably be so many trades that, the draft board will look completely different, but um, the NBA finals, it was a little bit, 
it wasn't the most exciting finals. Um, put it that way. I think I had some exciting moments, but it wasn't the, uh, I personally thought that last year's finals between the Bucks and the Suns was a little bit more intense, a little bit more exciting. I think it, the right outcome happened. The Warriors were the best team in this series and they, they won the title obviously. And it's a big moment for Steph Curry to finally get that finals MVP, get that monkey off his back. He's got four rings now. You got to give him all the props in the world. Um, We talked about where he rates all time. And I I believe we said, were we, did we say top 15 prior to the NBA finals? I, I, if he had not won this finals, I still have him as a top 10 all time player. He may be right at number 10, but I for sure have him as a top 10. I do as a result of this finals and I have him directly at number 10. Um, and I think that's the right spot um, for where he's at. And so I also think it's really interesting how the Warriors have kind of remade themselves, but they haven't made a, a ton of roster moves to do it. It's the core of their championship team has kind of remade themselves. Um, Clay isn't the same player who he once was. Draymond, obviously not the same player that he once was. Steph Curry, pretty close to the same. But to be able to keep getting it done and to make a move for a guy like Andrew Wiggins, and I I couldn't imagine uttering this sentence, this next sentence like two weeks ago, but Andrew Wiggins is one of the biggest reasons those Warriors won the NBA Finals. They, They don't win that NBA Finals without Andrew Wiggins. And so, um, especially game four, he was huge down the stretch in game four, which was kind of the turning of the tide as the Warriors went on and won game five and game six as well. But without Andrew Wiggins, the Warriors find themselves in the 3-1 hole, and I think that's just too much. And the Celtics win the title. The defense that Wiggins played on Tatum, he had Tatum rattled by the end of the series. Tatum looked just just lost out there by the end of the series. And a lot of that is just credit Andrew Wiggins, a little bit of Draymond, but Wiggins, he really put the clamps on Tatum. And that's a big reason why the Warriors won the championship. So it's, it's just very interesting, all kind of all the subplots that have come out of this now. It was – this is why I took a couple of weeks off on the show from talking basketball, because that's one of those biggest tropes that I hate with sports media. Draymond is terrible. Draymond's over the hill. Draymond needs to shut up and play. The Warriors win one game. The Celtics are terrible. The Celtics are, are and it's just every single night, the narrative, and you have to listen to 48 hours of people talking about the Celtics are terrible. Or the Warriors are terrible, which was really my impetus for the philosophy behind the show is to not do that kind of stuff. You get you have to turn out content, but yeah, it's got very tiring talking about that. I thought the playoffs as a whole were really well, uh, worked out really well. Yeah, the finals weren't the most invigorating to watch, but happy to see the Warriors win. I like the Warriors more than most people, at least I like Stephen Clay, I guess. Uh, we'll save this conversation for maybe next week or some future shows talking about where they rank in the pantheon of dynasties and Kerr as a coach and all those kinds of topics. But we're we're definitely over time for this week. But maybe that'll be part of our next week's show if we come back and dissect this where the Warriors are in the pantheon of sports. 
Um, quick, uh, Mr. Hockey fan over there. The abs are ahead 2-0 on the Lightning in the Stanley Cup Finals after destroying them this weekend. I think it was 7-0 in that game on Sunday. But the abs are up 2-0 on the Lightning. Who are you picking to win the Stanley Cup Finals now? I think I'll take the abs. Okay. So, um, and real quick, we got to go back to the NBA real quick. Um, because the news is out there now, and it seems like Kyrie Irving's going to be out of Brooklyn. Um, he's going to explore free agency, and the rumor is that he wants to go to the Lakers, the the Knicks, or the or the Clippers. So we'll see what happens. But there's a real possibility that Kevin Durant gets left behind. Harden's out. Kyrie's out. Kevin Durant and Ben Simmons, if he ever comes back, is that is that good enough? Uh, I don't think so. Um, so it'll be interesting in summer for the Nets specifically to see if they can talk Kyrie into coming back or what happens with the Kyrie situation. And does that prompt KD to want to be moved as well? Uh, because he sees... I'm not winning a championship with this roster without Kyrie. I'm, maybe I'm not even winning it with Kyrie, so I won out anyways. So the Nets are going to be an interesting subplot this summer. There's a question for you to analyze next week. You have to take one of these four players. Who do you want? Kyrie, Harden, Ben Simmons, or Russell Westbrook for the 2022-2023 NBA season? Man. Um, we'll have to come back to that one. <laughs> oh, and congratulations to Mr. Matt, uh, Mr. Matthew Fitzpatrick winning the U S open in the golf tournament. Thank you all for joining us. We'll be back next week. Episode 65. See how we did on the NBA draft. Answer our burning question about which player would you take? Do some more NBA talk and dare I say, start talking about the NFL again. We'll see you next time. Thank you all for joining us. 